everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We got a wild and crazy show today. Probably had two, three hundred people here in the studio with us. It's really nuts. Uh, we're going to start off the show with some fun. We have a whole crew from the Salamander Washington Hotel in. Uh, and Janelle Burt and Gina Netasingha are going to pop open some champagne. Okay, you want to do that right now? Let's do it. Let's, Let's kick off it. the show like a party. Absolutely. Come on. Okay. Here we go. There we go. Party started. All right. Okay. None of you people in the studio responded to the popping of champagne <gasps> on a Saturday morning. Yes. Thank you. I go mean, ahead. I mean, what do we got here? A bunch of stiffs? I yeah, hope not. not. Okay. 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 So. Um, uh, let's talk about who's going to be on the show. So, uh, hosted by the globally famous chefs Jose Andres and Spike Mendelson, two old buddies of ours, mm-hmm. DC Central Kitchen's Capital Food Fight is coming back to the anthem on November 9th. Uh, it's such a blowout event. The kitchen CEO, Mike Curtin, is Mike Curtin Jr. I want to meet Mike Curtin Sr. <laughs> mm-hmm. but Mike Curtin is an old, old friend of ours. Not that old. Mm. No. Long tenured. And he's in to talk. Uh, they've got new space for the, for the organization. We want to talk about the event, and we're going to hear all about it. And about how Plus, he nice just day. won a huge Ramy Award. So, like, he's got a lot going on. You're a on. big deal. All he's right. A big deal. So, uh, as far as the Salamander Washington goes, along with Janelle and Gina, uh, my new best friend, executive chef and director of food and beverage, Marco Fassati, mm-hmm. is in. Um, he, he's uh, He's got a great restaurant at Salamander now. And there's also a new concept coming. We're going to hear all about that and how tired he gets running the restaurant and all that F&B stuff. But most importantly, he cooked in Sardinia. So we can just wax poetic about Sardinia the entire time. he's Italian. Okay, there you go. Legitimate. Tiamo tantissimo. Okay. All right. So often the question, where's the beef, comes up, but the guy who can answer it is Nathan Stambaugh, who's back on the show finally. He's the regional sales manager for Creekstone Farms Premium Beef. He's in with all kinds of cooking tips. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is lesser-known cuts that people, you know, might ignore or pass over that can make great meals. Yeah? yeah. Okay, yeah. good. And uh, happy first anniversary to Ballion Springs. It's the 100,000-square-foot. Oh, my God, it's so cool. Private social, not really private, semi-private social club for wellness in Springfield. We've been there. It's so cool. We've had the experience. It's nothing short of spectacular. And Stephanie Chan is in here. That's the founder. You're the founder, Stephanie. And her sister, Jennifer, who's the director and business partner there, are in to tell us all about it. And before we go on, we want to congratulate. Everybody raise a yeah. glass. Because to Andy, Andy and Mitchell Anna. and Anna, they're celebrating their first one anniversary year. today. And, here, here, uh, here. Yes. I yes. can say Andy is one of the luckiest men in the world. I don't know about Anna, but we we're going to cheers, move cheers. on. There we go. All right. So let's talk to Mike Curtin Jr. Where's Senior, first of all? He's <laughs> right around the corner, actually. <laughs> Why don't we do a quick 411 on DC Central Kitchen? Because I think lots of people know the name, may not know all of your mission. Sure. Well, also because it's it's evolved over time. Right? It has. And so where we actually start now is by, by saying that we're a, a food-based social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we start in the heart of the work that we do is training individuals that have faced significant barriers to employment systemically uh, and often uh, histories of addiction, incarceration, uh, women who've been trafficked or abused, mm. folks that have experienced homelessness or other traumas uh, that are preventing them from becoming who they, they can be. 
Um, so we train them for jobs in the hospitality industry. And then over the years, we've developed a whole portfolio of our own businesses, the largest of which now is our locally sourced scratch cook school food business, which provides uh, healthy locally sourced scratch cook meals to schools mostly in Ward 7 and 8 here in D.C. And it's driving enough money to run the business pretty well. It, it, uh, the, the social enterprise is about half of our revenue, uh, and that includes, in addition to the school food, we just opened up our third cafe. We have a catering business, other contract food businesses. So can we explain? Can we get a little granular for sure. a moment? Can we explain how that all works? I mean, you have all these arms, mm-hmm. right? But how do they work together? Like, how are you able to make all this food for hmm. the schools and get it to the schools? And how are you able to open up these cafes, like, who are you hiring? Who are you bringing in? How can we? I know it's a much bigger and, deal, and but when do you sleep? So, but no, so, so, but you understand my question, right? Like, right. there's so many arms, no, it's like an octopus. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would. The, the short answer is delicately, okay. I guess. And uh, what we've always tried to do at the kitchen is sort of look at all of those pieces that you're talking about, Nikki, that exist. Um, these resources that we have at our disposal and, and try to use them in different, innovative, creative ways mm-hmm. and in ways that others may have overlooked. So. Uh, the point of doing all of those businesses, and I'll talk about that in a second, is is employing uh, individuals who have not had the, that opportunity to be employed before. So right now, because of this growth with the school food, the catering, the cafes, mm-hmm. uh, we have over 230 employees. More than half of them are graduates of our program. Um, and these are folks that were sort of pushed as, uh, aside. So what the one thing that, that really does allow us to do all of this is the project that we've been involved in, well, really for over a decade, but most intensely during COVID and during the recession over the last three plus years, was building a brand new 36,000 square foot state-of-the-art, um, innovate, probably the, the country's most innovative uh, and comprehensive food hub, urban food hub, right on the banks of the Anacostia River in Ward mm-hmm. 6. Mm-hmm. And what what is this facility doing? Sure. Why so, build it? Why do it? Sure. No, I'm sure a lot of people are like, no, you're supposed to be feeding people. Like, why is the money right. going there? Well, you know, so so I'm really glad you said that because this is really sort of core to who we are and what we're about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, yeah. and, and it brings up a really interesting notion of what organizations like DC Central Kitchen should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for years, as you all well know, we were in the basement of one of the largest homeless shelters in the country at Second and D. Um, and we made magic happen there with bubble gum and shoelaces and a lot of hope and a lot of love. Mm-hmm. But it was a, a horrible, decrepit, decaying place. And it was neither dignified nor respectful of the work that was happening down there and the men and women that were doing this work. So here we were um, ask, talking to folks who had spent the better part of their lives uh, in and around large windowless institutional cinder block buildings. And, and they we were, were still in one. And we were asking yeah. them to do this profound life-changing work in exactly this large windowless mm. institutional cinder block building. And, and, and the work that we've done has grown to not just feeding people, but creating community. And the last year, the work that we did had a, a positive economic impact in the district of $62 million. Wow. Um, and, and we plan in this new space to grow that to over $200 million by 2025. Mm-hmm. So we, we wanted to be in a place that was um, rec- recognized that work and was respectful of the, the, the folks that were doing it, mm-hmm. but also was in and of the community, not in the basement, not in the shadows, not in the margins not sort of in the corners where people hope we would be, but to say, look, look at the, look at the power that organizations like the kitchen have to change. Plus you put it more in six, so it's a symbol of something. It's, it's absolutely, it's right, again, right on the banks of the, of the Anacostia, right where the Potomac and Anacostia come together, right at the Buzzard's base of the point. bridge, at Buzzard's Point, mm-hmm. bridge between Ward 7 and Ward 8, the traditional sort of economic hub of an old Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. uh, and really absolutely, and what's interesting is is Ward 6, even though there's a ton of development over there, at the Anthem, where we'll have our food fight right, in a couple of weeks, the wharf, but there's also the highest, some of the highest unemployment in D.C., right. and the largest public housing um, developments two blocks from where we are, a lot mm-hmm. of hidden 
poverty and need and neglect. And we're hoping to bring that to light. Well, I, I wonder, is there an integration when you talk about building community? You know, um, people always talk about sort of the racial issues, but it's really the socioeconomic issues, especially in the ward and a lot of the other wards where you have like the wharf and all this money and people coming in with all this money. And then two blocks away, you have people who are just sure. stu stuck in poverty. A absolutely. And, and, so how how do we bring sure. that to the table together? So, so absolutely. And, and uh, you know, Everyone know, probably knows that like the socioeconomic and the racial are very tied, tied together, together, right? You can't you can't unbraid those very easily. Um, what we are really hoping, and what I think is one of the most powerful things about this development, the new project, is mm -hmm. that, as I said, we're thirty six thousand square feet in River Point, which is a, a, a luxury apartment building. Our great our friend Greg Caston has a restaurant there. There are the several point. other restaurants. They the Point. The show. Warren Thompson's point, building a restaurant there. Mm -hmm. um, but we are the anchor retail tenant. Now, Greg might not like that, but, you know, we have more square footage. So, oh, he's you know, generous that uh, okay, way. He'll so, give it to but, you. But, no, I think but, if Greg were here, he'd say mine's bigger than yours. <laughs> yeah, I'm certain he would. No. But, but, but the point is uh, you know, that this, this, the, we are the largest retail tenant. Um, and, and just think about that for a second, that in this mixed-use building and now a larger mixed-use development as more development happens there, this is a, a, a food-based social enterprise. A nonprofit is the anchor. It's not – Cheesecake Factory. It's mm -hmm. not Soul Cycle. It's not one of the typical things that that developers typically go to. So think of of the power that that could have if that part of this project was replicated. Mm -hmm. And and to your your directly to your question, Nikki, is that we are hoping that we can be that function box, that conduit through which longtime residents or folks that have left the neighborhood uh, and are perhaps coming back from for what, incarceration or whatever it is into this neighborhood and truly will have an opportunity now to participate in that economic growth, mostly through the hospitality uh, businesses that are opening and be part of that in their own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. That's what we're shooting for. Well, listen, the hospitality industry is just in dire straits because it needs people, right? It's a, such yep. a problem. So providing training services, everything you do with your programs Really, it's a it's a it's a relationship that the industry really I think needs. You should talk to Gina. She almost passed out when right. you said that. Right. So. Well, actually, we, we 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 I know we have one of our very recent graduates is going through the process at the Salamander right now. Oh, I love. Uh, so we we have we are so fortunate, and I say this all the time. And I know you've heard me say this, Nikki and David, is that um, if it was it was almost thirty five years ago that when Robert Egger started the kitchen, mm -hmm. and it was only because sort of the 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 batshit crazy people in the hospitality industry believed in the idea. Most people thought it was just nuts. Well, but the, but, but the initial idea was about food waste well, more right, than that, anything else. Well, right? it was food I mean, waste and, 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 and wasting people, right? right? So we, we, we took food that was going to be thrown away from restaurants, brought it into this central location, a central kitchen, reprepared it into healthy meals, not to serve on the streets, but to give to shelters, to recovery programs, reentry programs, training programs, so that uh, these folks could focus their resources on getting people out of that food line. And mm -hmm. while we're doing that, we're training individuals who are in that line for jobs in those same restaurants where we were getting the food from. So creating this righteous circle of empowerment, liberation, and opportunity. And, and a lot of people didn't want to look at a solution as more they as to, to hunger, say, instead of just keep feeding that line. No, they just wanted to be like, no, I gave. Right. right. Isn't and that, that was enough? It. Right. And, but wait, and, I got to pause you. I mean, I know we're at a really important point, but I had to take a break. Sure. So this is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast, Capital Food Fights coming up. We're going to get all the details in just a sec. Hey, Nick, let's take a couple seconds to talk about the point. Oh, the point in Buzzard Point. Yeah. Well, Buzzard Point is really interesting because it's a new area that has totally kind of come up out of the water. It is where the Potomac and Anacostia Rivers meet. And now this development is there. And the Point DC is the very first restaurant there. 
So it has amazing water views, this incredible patio, fire pits. It is a great place to grab a drink and sit out and look at the water and eat amazing oysters. Oh, and seafood and sushi and steaks and more because we've done that. Exactly. So if you haven't been to the point, it's time for you to check it out. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Michael Curtin Jr., mm-hmm. the junior. Um, so let's let's move on and talk about the event because sure. Capital Food, first of all. It's one of the originals. Well, let's talk about the genesis of it because I know Jose is is there yes. again. Tom Colicchio is there again. Uh, you've got a great lineup of chefs that will be competing. But, yes. I mean, where did it come from? How did it all happen? Well, uh it was, it was really a conversation with Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we were struggling to find something that was different. Uh, and, um, and this will be the 20th year that we've been, we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to break out of that old sort of DC mold of a large cocktail party where they're, and, and they're great. And I've participated in hundreds of them in different ways Nobody's and on different sides of the table. That, right? right? But, um, you know, the, I like, mean, I am going to give a huge shout out to Chefs for Equality, which is next Monday on the all, 30th, all, but it's all, totally all different. All great. You know, yes. All good. But what, you know, the, the push is always, or the question is always, what's, what makes this different? Mm-hmm. Why are people going to be focused on this? What's going to be exciting about this? And, um, and it was right around the time, and I don't, you know, the, the, the Tomateo Festival in, in Spain with yeah. people throwing the tomatoes, and Jose is like, that's what we need. We need something like that, something crazy, a food fight. Like oh boy, we're this anti-food waste thing. This yes, is bring a food this, right to the <laughs> so building. This was <laughs> uh, a little bit of a struggle, but this was also uh, around the time when Iron Chef, Top Chef, were just really sort of stepping right. into the spotlight. And we said, well, here's an opportunity for us to do something different. Take do a, a version of that and really shine a light on some of these new upcoming chefs in mm-hmm. town in ways that could be really powerful, fun, and entertaining. I know, when I think of all the people who have been on the stage yeah. in the last twenty years, it's. I mean, it's everybody we know. It's oh, amazing. Absolutely. I mean, right. it, it is. It's crazy cool. Like the list of folks that have been there as participants and then as judges uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about this year. What can we expect? So this year uh, will be the second year we're back live. The right. uh, second time we're back live. I guess right. the first time we went back um, there last was year. Well, well, April. Um, mm-hmm. In April of twenty twenty one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, or 2022, I guess. But we, we, we haven't been there, and it's been a year and a half since we've done it. We're, get, we're getting back on the fall cycle. Mm-hmm. So we're at the Anthem, um, which adds this whole new rock and roll, roll vibe. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool space. November 9th. November 9th, Thursday, there'll be about 1,500 folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some really cool chefs. But you know what's interesting? Even though there's a lot of people there, because of the way you guys lay it out and the, and the space, it never feels like congested. It, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't Do you know feel crowded. I mean? There's plenty of room. Um, there's plenty of room for people to move around. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of energy. There's... But I do have one piece of advice. Okay. Here it comes. To anybody who goes, especially when Jose is there, God love him. Uh-huh. Bring earplugs. <laughs> the man is loud. Well, <laughs> you will hear him clearly. So, so yeah, there was always, there was a, we always kept figuring out or trying to figure ways to, to improve the acoustics at the old venue. Uh, at, at the Reagan Ronald building, and, and those folks were incredible, incredible hosts for mm-hmm. so, so long. Um, and uh, we, we think it might not be the actual equipment. It might problem. have been the people on the stage. Yeah, the fact that you can get him to come back every year. I mean, I've been well, watching his, but his show. But he's an originator with this. He is. Oh, wait a minute. I just want to say, I okay. mean, between World Central Kitchen and sure. eating in the, all the hot spots around mm-hmm. the world and the, doing the show for CNN, which happens to be spectacular, mm-hmm. and, and he comes across crisply and clearly on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to get him to come back every year and Colicchio to come back yeah. every so, year yeah. 
Well, I, nice. I think, uh, and I, I've said this often, uh, Jose, you know, he really started with us when he came to D.C., one of the first yeah. places he went. Rob Wilder hired him, said, I want you to volunteer at D.C. Mm-hmm. Central Kitchen. Uh, and and this, you know, it's one of those, and he never left kind of things. Uh, it inspired World Central Kitchen for him to do that. But one of the, the, the things that I, I think is very true about Jose is that as his fame grew, his, his uh, empire grew, uh, his opportunities with his own nonprofit grew, he has always maintained his commitment to support DC Central Kitchen, he's and an it's a very generous. He's a yeah, he's an incredibly generous individual. Okay, just quickly. Yes. Who's on the stage fighting this? Okay, era? so we got Carlos Camacho of Delena, Ria Montez of Estuary, Ooh, Ed Rivas of All Set, Money Muscle mm-hmm. Barbecue, and Friars, and Rachel Bindel of Gravitas. Oh my so god! So pretty cool. Pretty it's cool. Actually, you know, Ed's been on the show about twenty-five times. It's Ed Revis. Revis. And he right. waited for me last time to correct me, <laughs> uh, and he's too big to mess with. So. Yeah, he's such a good guy. Um, so. Just give, let's do the last shout out. Are sure. there VIP tickets left? Like, what's left? What can we get? There, there are. There are VIP tickets left. There are regular tickets left. Capitalfoodfight.org. Mm-hmm. You can also get there through dccentralkitchen.org. Uh, so, yes, Thursday, November 9th, it's going to be a rock and roll. And as we say, it's the, the baddest night of doing good in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and come down and see the new place. Go to dccentralkitchen.org, to vo- sign up to volunteer, come down, check it out. And please come out and see us um, on November 9th. Stay tuned okay, for our hour-long expose on Mike Curtin Sr. Um, soon. <laughs> Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. It's always great always to see you all. To see you. All right. Okay. Um, all right. We're going to move Chef Marco. Okay, we're going right to... Salamander, Washington. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, my new best friend is Chef Marco Facetti. He's the executive chef and now the director of food and beverage at Salamander, Washington, formerly the Mandarin Oriental for you guys that want to get Correct. geographically oriented. Mm-hmm. And he's in here with his buddies Janelle Burt and Gina Netisinga. Hello, hello. Yes. To talk about everything that's going on. So, Marco, first of all, let's get a little background on you because you have been to many wonderful places and cooked in many Michelin star restaurants. Correct. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. your story? Amico well, oh my! Um, <clears throat> I come from a little town near uh, Portofino, mm-hmm. and uh, I work around the uh, places like uh, Porto Cervo in Sardinia for Flavio Briatore, uh, to uh, uh, the Four Seasons in Milano, Lake Como, and then I went what abroad. Did you go on our trip? Is that what you yeah. did? Uh, yeah, correct. <laughs> 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 then I went in Paris, and I we. Uh, we were part of the crew, the Carpaccio at the Hotel Royal Monceau. We were uh, the first Italian restaurant to uh, uh, achieve one Michelin star. And then uh, after three years there, I moved uh, uh, for seven years in London. And I work for a private club. It's called Hannibal Groups that belongs to Lady Annabel Goldsmith. That she's the cousin of the Queen Elizabeth. So I have the pleasure to cook in open kitchen and uh, serve uh, different royalties around Europe. And you were in Sharm el-Sheikh, too. And I was in I Sharm el-Sheikh. I had the pleasure of building, the, helping to build the first buildings in Sharm el-Sheikh. Oh, wow. In wow. 1971. The property wow, wow. is amazing. Yeah, I mean, is, is that I, a gorgeous spot or what? Oh, my. Man. I spent the, the two best years of my life. The people, mm. the culture, um, everything. And we're going to tell your wife you said that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I got uh, the offer to join the. Uh, I was in the Four Seasons in Milano mm. for uh, three years, and then uh, I uh, travel uh, uh, around in Tuscany, and then uh, they offered me to go back uh, the Four Seasons in Palo Alto in the Silicon Valley. Oh, uh, so I became executive chef there, and I was executive chef for the Four Seasons for the past uh, twenty-four years. 
But oh you were in God. California? In California. I was in California the first season, as I said, uh, Silicon Valley, and then uh, uh, I got transferred the first season to uh, and, and then Santa what happened? Sheila Johnson came knocking, and you said, no, 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 no. And then I was in Vail, Colorado, then the COVID arrived, Good and Lord. then I was back in California, and then a friend of mine told me they need a, a consultant at the Salamander in D.C. I arrived, I fell in love with uh, the people, with Gina. 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 <laughs> Gina, 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 she's I mean, like, who Gina, doesn't she, love Gina, right? No, of course. Gina's like a a, a, a work wife. We fight, we argue, we... we well, wait a minute. You're Italian. You're Italian. Of course you fight and argue. But, yeah. Chef, let me ask you, given your vast resume yes. and all the different places you've been, a, a lot of hotels, how do you sort of take your style of cooking and infuse them in these hotel properties? Because, you know, you're Italian. Obviously, you cook Italian food, but... But how do you take what you want to do and apply it to the hotel properties? As working around the different places, it gives me the opportunity to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to say with the vice president of the Four Seasons that uh, now, uh, no offense, I know how to cook in different uh, style a piece of steak. So, no offense. No, no, no. It's my, uh, it's my new best friend. Oh, good. <laughs> now, wait a minute. You're my new best friend. Okay. All right. I just want to be clear. No, no, everybody no, becomes everybody's best friend. Wait until the spa comes on at the end of the show. We're going to have all yeah, new best friends. want to be their best friend. Right? <laughs> and then, uh, but, you know, it's uh, traveling around the world. Uh, and uh, I'm a person that I'm open-minded and I like to learn. I'm very curious. I never stop. And uh, that it gave me the opportunity to... Uh, Fuse together what I have with what I learn, and mm-hmm. they give me the opportunity to um, uh, share with my team. Okay, so Gina, to that point, let's talk about what Chef is doing because we know that um, Sheila Johnson took over the former Mandarin Oriental. You all were in studio back in March, yes, sort of right. talking about the transition and what was happening. But now there's several transitions happening. Chef Marco is leading one. Can we sort of give an umbrella to all of this? <laughs> Sure. So the transition that's happening right now, obviously, is being led by Chef Marco from the mm-hmm. F&B perspective. We are going to transition into the spring as well, as we spoke about previously with Kwame Onowachi coming on board. Mm-hmm. That will be happening post facelift. You mean Kwame with the number one restaurant in New York yes, and the New York Kwame. Times bestselling Kwame? Ooh, that yes, Kwame. Kwame. We started here in D.C., Kwame? The number we started one. on this show, Kwame. Yeah. I just want to say that's for the exactly record. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. I think he's been on like three times. All I think, I, think I was the first person to pronounce Owenachi uh, correctly. <laughs> I think I followed right behind you. He looked at me and said, okay. Spot on. Oh, that, so, that Kwame. So, that's Kwame. right. So how did you guys, so let's talk about the process. Kwame is coming back, but it's not till the spring, but you that's have correct. this gorgeous space. So you want people to come in because you have launched this restaurant, the Salamander Grill, with Chef. Let's talk about like that process for you all. So the launch of the Salamander Grill happened over Salamander, um, my apologies, Labor Day weekend has been extremely successful. Mm-hmm. Also very excited for holiday programming that's coming up that will be activated in the space. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving brunch will be a huge opportunity for guests to see what Chef Marco has been curating with the properties and what the team has brought to the table. Okay, and Chef Marco, to that point, let's talk about the menu. What are we What are we serving at the grill? Uh, at the grill, we have, uh, uh, it's like a steakhouse with a house-made fresh pasta. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest uh, bestsellers is uh, uh, one raviolo, is a uh, um, 20 egg yolk uh, fresh pasta dough with a drink. Oh. Mamma mia! <laughs> so when with we a- were in Milan, we had a 36 Yolk, correct. Pasta, correct. seriously, it was so rich. Right. I like my chest hurts. And Nikki knows <laughs> it. Just like yeah, thinking know. about Nick, that Nikki pasta. Nikki knows that I always appreciate a good yolk. 
But yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. practically, it's, yeah, uh, uh, it. we do house-made uh, house ricotta. The, mm -hmm. the leeks are braised for three and a half hours and then uh, mixed together. We do a, 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 like a well. Mm -hmm. And we put an organic egg yolk on top, and then mm -hmm. it's a brown butter and sage and a fresh parmigiano. So, are you in the kitchen? Because I know you're also running F and B for the whole hotel. So, if I'm ordering breakfast up in room 1302, somebody's got to be doing that too. So, yeah, exactly. Are you down there all day, or how does uh, it okay, work? Okay, good, good amount of hours, but you know, it's it's my passion. So, okay, okay great. Okay, so can you guys, can Janelle and Gina, can you walk us through just quickly, like? How, what the story is with the restaurant and how things are going to transition. With the new restaurant? Yes. So we are really excited. So as you said, timing-wise, yes. the new restaurant mm. we um, look to unveil late spring of 2024. Okay, so the Salamander Grill the Salamander, is active. The Salamander Grill is, is active and will be open into December, mm -hmm. um, probably mid-December. Okay. Um, and then we look to unveil the new restaurant Um Probably late April. Okay, and so for so, people who don't yes. know, City Zen is the space where the Salamander Grill is located right now. Right. So um, we have to wrap up. One quick question. Yeah. Do we have two more minutes? No, we don't. We have a commercial break. I'll All take right. a commercial break. We'll bring them back. Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast telling you where to eat. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Chef Marco Facetti from the uh, Salamander. And Chef, what's going to happen down there for Thanksgiving? Well, Thanksgiving, we are doing a two sitting for uh, uh, the Thanksgiving brunch. Uh, there will be a lot of offerings uh, from a row bar uh, to the butcher station, which is a uh, charcuterie's house made uh, condiment. Uh, there will be the carving station. There will be live uh, dessert uh, uh, activations. So there is a lot of coming up. So it's going to be Thanksgiving on steroids. Correct. That's right. Not that bad. <laughs> and how do, we, how do we make a reservation for that? Because it's getting to be that Open time. table. Open table. Open table. Easy. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I can't believe you're making me say this, but everything you've heard here so far in the show can be found on the listareyouwanted.com, including DC Central Kitchen's Food Fight and everything here about the Salamander Grill. Is there any other website in the world? No. All right. <laughs> okay, Chef, thanks. Thanks Thank for you. Thank on. you for having us. Benvenuto a Washington. Grazie. Anche lui parla italiano. Yeah, we're a bunch of Italophiles around here. All right. And next. Cheers, everyone. Next is an old friend, and I can say he's an old friend because his beard has changed color since the first time I met. <laughs> he used to be kind of red blonde, and now it's gray. And it's Nathan Stambaugh, who is the regional sales manager for Creekstone Farms Premium Beef. It's yeah. been so, a minute. It's so Nathan, nice to see you. Where's the beef, man? Okay, Creekstone Farms. Well, I would say the best beef is based out of Kansas, out of the Midwest. I mean, mm -hmm. I do love our local farms here in the Mid-Atlantic, but when you're talking about highly marbled, flavorful beef, it doesn't get any better than the beef that's been raised in the Midwest. Well, so let's talk about Creekstone a little bit. Um, you guys have been around for a while. Let's just get into the history of Creekstone Farms, who you guys are, and what you all do. Because it's like I don't think you've been on in like six or seven years. It's I think been it a has while, been right? Six it's been or a minute. seven so years. Yeah. And my beard did get a little grayer yes, from being in the meat business. Okay, so let's hear about it. But yeah, Creekstone is based out of Ark City, Kansas, which is right on the Kansas. Oklahoma border, mm -hmm. and we started as a cow-calf operation, mama cows, baby calves in mm. Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we heard a mmm there, mm -hmm. right? We won't talk too much about that Doesn't side. Doesn't stop me from eating them. I, yeah. Uh, but, um, really, it's hard to reconcile. Yeah, It is, but you know what? It's not when it's on a plate, medium rare, perfectly <laughs> cooked by Chef Marco. Not right, hard to exactly. reconcile yes. at that time. Right. But, uh, yeah, so we own a processing plant right there on the Kansas border, and our goal is to provide chefs, restaurants, restaurants, 
and direct to consumer mm -hmm. with a high quality eating experience every time. Nothing worse than kind of going to a grocery store, randomly picking out a steak, paying good money for it, and it not being good or These are all I know, but can we talk about yeah, cows? can we talk about the process of the cows and um how that results in the good meat on the plate? Because sure. over the years, you know, people were we all hear so many different stories. Do you know what I mean? Corn-fed, grass-fed, pasture-raised, like all these terms, and I organic. Like for the consumer, it's confusing. It's just a blur of words. It's just basically. a blur of marketing terms, and it can be confusing. So how does Creekstone navigate that? Yeah, that's education is a big part of what we love to do. Mm -hmm. Our program is actually a grass-fed, grain-finished program. So. Mm -hmm. All cattle are on grass the majority of their life or all of their life. Mm -hmm. For us, we feel like giving a grain mixture at the end, about sure. the last 90 days, um, you know, you are what you eat, right? Mm -hmm. If you guys could see me in studio, I have a little bit of a belly. I love no. cheeseburgers. Okay. So I probably would taste like a cheeseburger if you ate me, but nobody's mm -hmm. doing that. But cattle are what they eat. So mm -hmm. eating corn gives them a very rich, flavorful uh, buttery richness in it that you're not going to get from a straight grass. So if I'm a cow eating grass out in the field and you suddenly give me corn, I should say, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, you might but, know what's you might but know they what's love coming. It, right? They're they like, do. oh my god, this is delicious. It's like French fries. For it's them, like French right? fries, or to me, a bowl of candy. You put mm -hmm. that in front of me, I'm going to go to it every single time. Right. Cattle in a field, and that's the important part with Creekstone. We're not jamming them in a corporate feed yard. Mm -hmm. you know, they have space to roam. And if you give them grain in the field, they are going to move towards it because mm -hmm. they love it. Well, we've had um, – you've been on before, and you may have been the first person to say this, like one bad day, right? That the cows yes. live uh, a, a good, good healthy life, and then they have one bad day. Yeah. And David and I have talked about this. He's like, yeah, but it's a really bad day. No, what I said is the bad day, <laughs> the bad day should come at the beginning so that the rest of the time – No, but I'm like, we all have one bad day. Like all of us sure. – I mean, real. I mean, we all think we have lots of bad days. But at the end, our last day is our last bad day, right? right. So we all have it, and that's just theirs. It's just controlled. And we actually go a step further and say one bad second because okay. even that last day, we're taking the care – to treat those animals humanely, that's very important to us, is mm -hmm. how the animals are treated coming into the processing plant. And uh, so for us, it's it's just making sure we can utilize everything in the animal, mm -hmm. um, whether it is organ meat that can go into, we we're talking about how do we create a better dish on a plate at a cheaper price point, right? Mm -hmm. There are Michelin star restaurants using beef, heart, or tongue at a, uh, at a price point and well, that, creating a flavorful meal. That kind but, of transitions us to that conversation to whole about animal. lower price cuts. Right, and, all and that. can we talk about whole animal? And, you know, I really feel like probably when you first came on, whole animal cooking, especially in restaurants, was huge. Like there were so many chefs like butchering themselves and Those doing all the things. And, all and uh, Chef Mark was like, I do. Um, but, but, but that kind of has gone by the wayside. So how do we, and, and the informing the public, that the cuts that we know, the the prime cuts that we know, that there are all these other cuts that are just as delicious, just need to be cooked differently. Yeah. Where's the education on that? And how do you guys, like, let's talk about some of those cuts now. Like, don't you remember, like, I remember, like, 10 years ago, like, Ter Terrace Madre? Yeah, Terrace Major. Right, Terrace Major. Like, that was a big cut that they were really trying to get out there. I couldn't find that now. Like, you can't find it. How do we find those cuts? Where do we, how do we talk to our butchers and be like, no, I want different cuts 
Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially with restaurateurs and chefs, as the price of beef has gone up, it's forced mm-hmm. them to get more creative. You know, I actually go to YouTube a lot of times. There's a, a group called the Bearded Butchers. I'm just saying that because I have a beautiful right. beard here, too. I hear where you're going. Uh, but the Bearded Butchers do a lot with offcuts, is what we call them, or butcher's cuts. Mm-hmm. And they can show people how to break those down. Well, I was going to say, didn't they largely, first of all, American history is rife with waste. They used to go out and shoot buffalo and leave them in the field or skin mm. them. It was. It seems to me it was more marketing. You know, you get well, you get your London broil and you get your ribeye and you get your prime rib and you know that's what they were selling, and so it sort of created a situation where the rest of the stuff was like, Ugh, what do we do with this stuff? Now, I mean, and it's just as good. Sure, it's just as good for or you. even better. Yeah, right. You know, in a lot of cases, one of the cuts I've seen recently pop up on menus. A lot of people are terming it Thor's hammer, right? Uh, and it's a it's a hind shank essentially. It's the hind leg. Okay, so this is not an axe. Thor's hammer. Thor's hammer. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, she's talking about the the, the ribeye axe. Yeah. The ribeye axe. Because the, the axe is like yeah, the tomahawk, yeah, the tomahawk is tomahawk like the chop. big like that's such a selling point in like steakhouses. Absolutely, and I think this cut is very similar from a standpoint of. It's to be shared at the table. Mm-hmm. And we're finally as a, a Wait, country, what's it called again? Say Thor's it again. It's called Thor's, Thor's Hammer. Hammer. You've or, seen the Marvel movie. Okay. Or, we're going to get sued probably for mentioning a Marvel movie, but or the Hindshank. That's the, the cut of beef. It is, Thor's Hammer sells better. It's the be- I know. It sounds yeah. a little sexier. Right. But it is a great cut of beef that you can braise off or smoke and serve to two to four people at a table. Wow. And really have this family-style experience. For a good price point. Can we mm-hmm. get that? If we go to the butcher and say... Thor's Hammer. Whole, food, Whole Foods and say, Can we, we want Thor's Hammer. Will they... I think if you went to a more niche butcher shop... Yeah, you like probably the Urban could. Butcher. Absolutely. They're amazing. Urban Butcher would yep. be a great one to mm-hmm. go to. They would have access to that because they're breaking whole I mean, animals. Can you get it in the oven? Uh, three to four pounds, yeah. It's absolutely so it's... something you could put in, in the oven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just is incredibly flavorful. It's just got beautiful marbling in there. All right. What is Cure Camp, and what was the yeah. benefit dinner that you did at Anjou? I read that in the all the materials you sent, and it sounds nice. Yeah. What is it? What are we, we talking we about? We actually had some of the Salamander crew actually came out to Cure Camp this year. Oh. Um, we hosted that this year at The Square, uh, mm-hmm. which just re- recently opened up. Yeah. Chef Rubin and, yeah, right. and, Richie. and Chef Richie. Yeah. Uh, before they were able to open, we hosted about 100 chefs from the D.C. metro area. I know. I was supposed to go, and you, I couldn't make it. I wish you had made it because it. we fired up their grill for the first time mm. with 250 pounds of Creekstone beef, mm. and it was just an amazing experience of fellowship. So this was— fun for the chefs or this is how you cook this you know these are different methods it was a little bit of both we had chefs actually being able to work with product after for two days they saw it butchered and broken down from whole Mm. primal pieces Mm. we learned how to make different types of sausages including blood sausage Uh, we had a uh, pasta maker from la come out Uh, we did a a blood pasta we should have had chef marco blood pasta next time maybe next year i don't want to be there uh, he was not, Uh-oh. but I love him. I think yeah. he's probably down Uh-oh. opening his, yeah, his new, new restaurant in maybe Raleigh. No, no, that, no, 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 no. He has one in Nashville. That's Nashville. Like just open. Okay. Nashville. Um, so here's the thing: not to sound squeamish, but I am a little squeamish. Like, I don't want awful, and I don't want blood sausage. I don't want that stuff. It, the thought, I can't. My the mental problem. I can't. 
Like people think because I'm in the food world, I can't tell you how many times I go into a restaurant and people are like, here's heart or here's duck tongues or something like that. I right, have like, a plate of guts. I'm like, I don't uh, want it. Which, I have Nikki, to eat it. That is why it. I brought you prime New York strips. Oh, God, you know my And ribeyes. You know how to get to my heart. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, but I'm here for off cuts, and I know awful is important, and I believe in using whole animal. I just there's a mental thing yeah. in me I can't get I can't get past. Yeah, it. absolutely, and that you actually know? is a good transition into the Anju dinner that we did. Yeah, um, with 250 Barbecue. Oh God, uh, we love them. What an incredible story they mm-hmm. have yeah. of blending their culture with a traditional Texas can barbecue. Can I just can I just for a moment, if you have not had their smoked feta? Oh, it is yeah. the craziest thing I've ever had. I was like, I don't know what's happening here. What it's, kind of beef is that? Okay. No, but it's, but I mean, they're, to your point, they're doing something really interesting yes. when it comes to barbecue and sort of educating the public on how to take it from their culture, yeah, which I think is amazing. Their dish they did that night was actually a menudo. And mm. they used a prime Creekstone brisket, which they're our largest prime brisket user in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did a traditional menudo with intestine as well. And you wouldn't have known. Okay. In fact, I think somebody in this room thought it might have been a, a noodle. Okay. Uh, because it was somebody's, just so flavorful. <laughs> okay. Somebody's significant somebody, other. Uh, somebody, Don't put that ring on it yet. We're okay, not going to okay, Tiffany's okay, after okay. this. Okay. Let's put a ring on it. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, let me just ask one question before we wrap up. When you say prime, what does that mean? Sure. That's the USDA grade. Okay. The intermuscular fat or the marbling score in that steak is either going to be select, choice, or prime. Mm-hmm. Prime being the highest grade or the most amount of fat. Fat equals flavor. You're going to get a better eating experience. People hear select. A lot of times they're like, oh, somebody selected that steak for me. Mm-hmm. That's actually the lowest grade. Right. That's a beef. Safeway word. Right. right. That is a Safeway yeah. word. Now he's going to get sued by Safeway. Yeah. We're going to get sued all over the place. You never invite the beef right. guy on. Right. Come right. always call Safeway. Okay. <laughs> Tell people how they can find you, get a better education, and maybe buy some beef. Yeah, absolutely. Creekstonefarms.com. That's C-R-E-E-K-S-T-O-N-E farms.com mm-hmm. or you can follow me at beef and the letter in bourbon beef and bourbon on instagram mm. i'm always popping up uh doing dinners we're seeing customers here in the dc baltimore area so definitely check out me on instagram and creekstone farms on our website well done Excellent. Nathan. all right thank all you right. nathan chef marco can you just come up to the mic for a second because you brought in this beautiful food today and you didn't tell us what it is can you just quickly tell us and oh absolutely and springs decided. up to the mic Beside the, 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 the brunch for Thanksgiving, we are also um, uh, advertising the, the turkey to go. Mm-hmm. So people that they want to... Yeah, but I need to know what this is. Okay, you just tell this me what is this a is? cheddar and chives biscuit. Okay, great. Thank you. Cheddar and chives biscuits. Everybody in studio, please Have dig some in. cheddar and chives okay, biscuit. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, Chef. Grazie okay, mille. Yes, grazie All right. mille. All right, uh, Jennifer and Stephanie, let's talk to you guys. So, so a couple of months ago, David and I got invited out to Bali and Springs, and well, we had no idea what we were going to. Like, we got an invite. We were like, this is something cool to do on a Sunday. Actually, that's not true. I said, we have to David drive was to like, I don't want to go. He really go. did not want to go. But then we got there, and in the middle of an industrial park is this- Is heaven. Like, blissful, massive, spa doesn't encompass what you're doing. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Please Thank you. tell us about how you guys came up with Bali and Springs and what it is. Well, Ballion Springs is a social club mm-hmm. uh, focused on everything wellness, so safe wellness exploration. And especially post-COVID, we all understand that wellness doesn't only mean taking care of your body. Mm-hmm. It's really about your spirits, your emotions, your, your mental health. So 
we wanted to create a sanctuary, 100,000 square feet. Uh, we thought was sufficient enough space mm-hmm. to be able to create all these different activations, areas where you can just feel better. Wait, we have to take a quick break. Sure. When we come back, we're going to dig into all of that. This oh, is David. We are and- going to dig into all of that. <laughs> this is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking to the Chong sisters, Stephanie and Jennifer, who are the geniuses behind Ballion Springs, a wellness spa, retreat, whatever, in Springfield. And before I say anything else, because we're going to talk about they have two pools there, one indoor and one outdoor. We have six Yeah, pools. I was like, no, no, you're totally Wait wrong. Wait whatever. I, I only know. Notes. Stop talking. I, I'm going to tell you, tell you about the two I was in. You, I don't know who came up with this. But there are places where you can stand or places where you can sit where these high energy these are the out- this jets is the of water. Pool. No, inside it, I think. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get a massage. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's nuts. <laughs> it's the greatest thing so ever. So let's talk about how you designed it and sort of how you want people to go with the different experiences you have there. Because there you could spend a whole day there. There's so much happening and so many so much programming. Right. So let's go through it. So a lot of people mention spa. Falling Springs is spa. Yes, we have a spa, and spa is very treatment-centric, service-centric. But our facility is very club-centric. The actual amenities, the hydrotherapy pools, the sauna rooms, the bathhouses, the lounges. And within that space is where we have and host these different activations. Mm -hmm. So yoga classes, Reiki classes, some boxing classes, and that is really how we want our guests. We met to with use a it. psychic. A psychic. Well. Timmy with that a was, psychic. That was right? nuts. <laughs> so <laughs> medium strip. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's all her realm. Uh, I'm uh, more of we'll a be speaking after the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, but let's talk. So, I think the arrival. There's a lot of um, intention in how people arrive and get ready to walk into the experience. So, can we talk about like the arrival? Like you check in. You check. And well, first before that, you drive through the gates of heaven mm-hmm. and those are modeled after the indonesian gates to heaven uh just because we wanted to create that heavenly experience so mm-hmm. it really starts off with those huge we did pillars. we were like where are we mm-hmm. right you drive in you see you pass by a lot of industrial buildings but then you see the gates to heaven we wanted to start off that experience right when you enter the parking lot and of course you check in you get um you pay daily a fee we wanted to make sure everything's accessible we don't want to uh, lock our guests into a whole year commitment or whatnot. So daily rates, you pay that, and then you get access to a locker key, which mm-hmm. gives you um, just it opens up your lockers, but it also acts as your running tab. So the whole purpose of this is to just come, unwind, leave everything kind of at the door at the locker room, mm-hmm. and just explore. So you get a, a robe. robe. Yes. You're in a bathing suit, and then you sort of walk into the space. So let's just go in layers what's available and then we'll hit programming okay so like the first floor i know the spa is there traditional facials massages all the things but let's talk about the pool activations and the sauna activations so the first floor we have 16 actually throughout the club we have 16 different hydrotherapy pools that are equipped with these aqua jets they're patented Mm -hmm. from korea so they're targeted to different areas they're also set to different temperatures so it goes from a 40 degree plunge pool very Mm -hmm. very cold all the way up to 104. And, of course, kind of hidden, tucked away on the first floor is our authentic bathhouse. And that's the only area where you can enjoy the hydrotherapy the way that it used to be back centuries ago when clothing was optional. Actually, not even optional. Everyone was just enjoying naked, right? right. So we wanted to tuck that away, but that's on our first floor. And, of course, um, in line with this contrast therapy with the pools, we also have that same thing in the sauna room. So we have eight different sauna rooms, mm-hmm. also ranging from an ice igloo all the way to our hottest, which is our lowest soil, I think, what, Jen? That's 150 degrees. Right. 
Um, and then, of course, you get a little hungry after sweating, <laughs> sweating out all the toxins. So we have multiple uh, eating outlets. We have a sushi and the bar. Food is good. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you, it's thank really you, thank good. you, Chef Chef Dom. <laughs> but uh, then, of course, again, it's this whole one-stop destination. So you eat. You just sweat everything out. You're going to get tired. So we have many places where you can just fall asleep, um, whether it's to TVs or to meditation or to a beautiful uh, 40-foot wall that's just putting out video footage from Oahu. So, again, it's really transformative. It really is an area where you can come, uh, spend the whole day, whatever you're looking for. And then you have the upstairs outdoor pool, which Mm -hmm. is beautiful. So let's talk about the programming and what what you – because there's – all these different things, the meditations, the mediums. How do you go about putting that together and and sort of guiding people through it? Because when you look at all the things you offer, you're like, oh my god, I don't. What do I want to do first, right? When that's not the point. Like the point is is to like relax and lean into well, it. Well, you follow a kind of a roadmap, right? So talk about the programming a little bit. Well, honestly, this is. Uh, I, I was a pediatric dentist before changing career. That's not stressful. Well, good, this tooth is killing. <laughs> yeah, pediatric, not geriatric. Uh, so. well, I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but the wellness thing. I I was a pediatric dentist in New York City, so mm-hmm. New York City is one of the biggest uh, wellness hubs mm. in, in the country. I think even the world. And um, just going through my own anxiety and um, uh, self confidence issues. I I think I was just very desperate to find any way to make myself feel better. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where I started talking to counselors and then it led to more like spiritual um, counseling and just um, training to be a Reiki master. By good the way. For you. I'm, I'm actually a level two. Good for you. Yeah, we need that's to talk amazing. about that because I don't yes, yes. You know. And so, uh, I mean, that's where I started trying out kundalini yoga and um, energy healing. Mm-hmm. To, um, I, but I guess, you have you have meditation classes, right, right. right? Well, not classes, sessions, right? Right. Um, which, you know, you did. Um, what did you do with the last part of it? We had to sound leave healing. the sound healing. I really missed not doing the sound bath. I thought that sounded incredible. <laughs> Yeah, so how how often is your programming? Like, how does that work? Well, uh, we have daily uh, programming, and then we have our bigger events. Our mm-hmm. next one is actually yep. tomorrow. Which is today, because the show is on Sunday. Oh, oh, yes. No, 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 it's okay. So t- so on Sunday, yeah. which is today, for those who are listening, um, tell us about the event. So this is a partially a few things it's mm-hmm. celebrating our one year anniversary of opening oh another anniversary cheers Ooh, yay cheers. okay <laughs> and secondly we wanted to do uh something good for um the maui relief mm-hmm. um it there was a lot of in- influence uh interiorly through from Hawaii, mm-hmm. because Stephanie spent. Wait, when we saw you, you guys left for Hawaii the next day, yeah, the right? Next day, yeah, yeah. I did actually. So that's kind of where that whole transition. How do we give back to the island that gave so much to Volume Springs and me mm-hmm. just as a person? And I think Jen is um, skirting around. But how did we come up with this event? I mean, it was a culmination of her hard work for the last couple months putting together these daily activations. Mm-hmm. We aim to have about four a week. And she really reached out to either new partners, but more of the older ones that have uh, showcased their passion at our club. So mm-hmm. Jen put together a 
program of 40 different classes tomorrow. Wow. And again, not only is this exploration of all the different modalities and all the other partners that we have worked with throughout the year, mm-hmm. but again, celebration of one year is kind of sidetracked. We really want to raise funds for Maui, help those families who are still just it's going to take a while for them to get over that def- devastation. So sure. a lot of that portion, a portion of uh, proceeds will be going there too. So Amazing. All right. All right. Tell everybody, please, where they can find you on Insta and online. Instagram, at Ballion Springs is our Instagram handle. If you're mm-hmm. looking for Jen and I personally, we're always at the club. So just come on by there. And, of course, Facebook. That's, yeah. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. Thank and you. I want you to know that after... She dragged me there. I was glad I went. He was. Oh, we was really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Thank, thank okay. You. All right. So Wrap speaking speaking of helping people, we got the more hot spots in the world than you can shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of every show, I remind people that the war in Ukraine, Ukraine is still ongoing. Uh, it's very important that the Ukrainians, they've taken back about half the territory that was taken from them. They've got to get it all back because if Putin goes on there, he's going to keep going, and that's mm-hmm. not good. Mm-hmm. And then we have this mess mm-hmm. in the Middle East. Uh, we feel strongly both ways. I mean, I, if, if you're so inclined, support Israel, support those poor Palestinian people that are caught in the middle of this mess with Hamas. Um, you can go to Red Crescent. You can go to the Red Cross. You can go to CNN.com, and there are all kinds of uh, charities listed there that are doing good work, including World Central Kitchen. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. Rodney King was right. Why can't we all just get along mm-hmm. for crying out loud? Okay, so— uh, yes, please give where you can. And I want to remind everybody that the culinary event of this season, Chefs for Equality, is coming up on um, October 30th. This is the only chef-led event in the city that is raising funds for the human rights campaign, uh, civil liberties for all the LBGTQIA community. It is an 800-person event happening at the National Building Museum. I think we have 130 chefs. Um, 20 mixologists. There's a VIP champagne caviar lounge, which is where you will find me. Uh, this year, the Speed Diner features uh, our drag queens. They'll be doing a drag brunch Speed Diner. Uh, the cakes will all be there. Uh, uh, Daniela Senor of uh, Colada Shop is doing a queer Lada Shop. Um, so many activations here. It is literally an eight ring circus. Um, shout out to David Hagedorn, Amber Fow, Anthony Hasellis. Uh, J.P. Sabate, Simone Rathley, Adra Williams, um, and Mark Indre, who are the core team of Oh, and Nikki Nellis. Hello. Core team. Oh, Bonnie Benwick, Jackie Ludden. I mean, there's so many people who do so much for this um, event every year. But tickets are on sale. The VIP lounge, there's still a couple tickets left. All the tables are sold out. But uh, please join us, chefsforequality.org, or, of course, go to thelistaryuana.com and follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. And that was done without breathing. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, threads, all the things. And lastly, such good news for Industry Night. It is now having a residency at The Point, D.C., so you can tune in to all the fun things I'm doing there um, on uh, YouTube as well as all your podcast channels. So thanks so much for joining us today and have a delicious week.